0: All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Fix. I am your host, Ryan Rothstein. Thank you all again for tuning in. Be sure to please rate, subscribe, leave a review uh, anywhere you are listening to The Fix episode two. It could be Spotify, it could be Apple, could be anywhere else that you get your podcasts. On today's episode of The Fix, I got a good one for you. All right, so Josh Henning joins me. Uh, In on this conversation, Uh, Josh is a producer and on-air personality for us on 97.3 ESPN South Jersey. And we talk about the current state of the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, there was a recent report that has been surfacing around that details the New York Knicks and new president of basketball operations, Leon Rose, do have serious interest in current Philadelphia 76ers general manager Elton Brand. Now, for that to become a reality, the 76ers would have to fire Elton Brand in the offseason. So, we're going to get into just that. Is it a possibility that the 76ers decide to move on from Elton Brand? Why are the 76ers consistently underachieving? Who's to blame? And if you have to pick between Elton Brand and Brett Brown, who should you pick? So we're going to get into the state of the 76ers and all that, including Tom Brady found an interesting home down in Tampa Bay. We have some fun on this episode. Josh is going to start us off. Enjoy. Enjoy.
1: We've all seen those TV shows and movies where the antagonist spends half the television show or the movie going after the girlfriend of the protagonist and insisting how much better the girl would be with the antagonist and the protagonist and always throwing in the, oh, he's going to cheat on you, oh, he's going to break up with you. And then you find out eventually the girlfriend does end up with the antagonist. I feel like the same storyline is playing out with the 76ers, Elton Brand, Leon Rose, and the Knicks. Oh, by the way, I'm Josh Hennig. This is a special edition of the warm-up here on 97.3 ESPN, along with the one and only Ryan Rostein. Ryan, how you doing?
0: What's up, man? Let's get warmed up here for the Sports Bash. It's, uh, it's different. One to two. One hour, happy hour. Let's get weird.
1: Yeah, of course, the text board is open, as always, 609-403-0973. For those who might not have seen it, you can go check it out at 97.3ESPN.com. The weird news popped last night about the Knicks' interest in the Sixers' GM, who, by the way, is still under contract, a guy that no one has heard is Interested in leaving. No one they said the Sixers are going to fire him. But all of a sudden, Leon Rose, who's the new president of the Knicks, is already playing the role of, well, if I could have anybody I want, I want this guy, even though I might not be able to get him kind of thing.
0: Yeah, this is absolutely bonkers and my first reaction to this news Mike Gill sent it to me and I saw the news break like right before the same time Gill sent me the the message and the article that he posted and that's up now on 97.3 ESPN.com was this Josh and listeners out there please chime in on the New York Knicks having interest in Elton Brand does this confirm or reveal that Elton Brand is not a competent general manager. If the New York Knicks have interest in a coach, a player, any front office member of any kind in any position, you should have concern. (laughs) They are the most poorly ran sports organization you could say in any sports league, in all of sports, in all of the galaxy. They are the worst, Josh. So my first question to you and my first reaction is, uh uh-oh. What have we let this man do to our beloved Philadelphia 76ers?
1: Well, again, let's go back to what I was saying before about Leon Rose, because to me, that's where the key is for all of this. People, sure. people who don't know, you know, we'll just you know, bring you up to speed. So the New York Knicks hired Leon Rose, the former super agent of NBA players, to be the president of basketball operations for the Knicks. He's basically their one of 100 people who have come through there in the last 20 years to run the organization.
0: And, last 20 months.
1: <laughs> right, that too. And he's one of these guys who, you know, oh, it's an, oh, Bob Myers used to be an agent and Rob Palenka used to be an agent. It's like the new fad now. Let's all hire a former agent to be in charge of basketball operations. Well, Rose, who let's be realistic, has, we don't know of any managerial experience in his background. We don't know any operations management experience. He's basically saying, I know Elton Brand, and I'd like to have him. And it sounds like to me, like, the dude literally just doesn't have any better idea because he hasn't really gone through the process, full process yet. You know, who, who knows exactly what, but it just feels like, like I said, we've all seen the TV show or the movie. The antagonist tells the girl throughout the whole movie, the whole show, the protagonist will break up with you. The protagonist will cheat on you. And when he does, I'll be here for you. And I feel like that's really what it is. It's not that Elton Brand's job is in trouble. Is that the Knicks have no originality to actually go find their own guy.
0: Well, I, this is a big disclaimer here. And it's understood that they would only be going after Elton brand if he's fired and the report just somehow leaked out, but obviously anything regarding the Philadelphia 76ers, it's either Brett Brown's going to be fired. Elton brand is going to, or should be fired both or one of the other. And I, I think at this point, it's just, all right, listen, if Elton brand gets canned, we have interest. It's two completely different roles as you kind of, began to outline, though, Josh. Like, Leon Rose is the president. Elton Brand is running pretty much the entire Philadelphia 76ers front office, so we think, allegedly, right?
1: Right, well, part of the reason... now
0: it'd be a little bit different of a role in New York, maybe less responsibility. That's what it seems like for me. Well, part of the reason
1: why Brand got the job, and let's just backtrack for the audience to remind them, is because of the fact that when the Sixers... That summer, Josh Harris went out and and they tried to get Daryl Morey and they tried to get Bob Myers and they tried to get all of these big names who are either big time uh, GM prospects or current GMs or former GMs around the league. But they kept doing with the caveat of they wanted whoever came in to keep the the main infrastructure of the front office. And remember, it was Alex Rucker who was part of that structure because they promoted him along with giving Brand the GM. And basically the way it works is it's like a brain trust. Like Brand technically has the final say, but he reports right to Josh Harris. But it's Brand Rucker... Uh, Mark Eversley. It's a group of people who basically run the front office. And that's half the reason why Brand got the job because Brand was one of the few people who was okay with the setup the Sixers wanted to have in place to run the organization.
0: So I think, and I may be skipping some steps here and you can backtrack me or cut me off if you want to get to some things in between. But the questions that I have from this report is, what is the likelihood that Elton Brand is fired? Obviously, the sports world has come to a screeching halt now. And how does that impact the 76ers organization? Do they keep Brett Brown now? Because money is always a big factor, but especially with these organizations leaking oil and leaking money now with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, does the ownership group say, all right, you know what? Because of everything that's taken place we would have liked to potentially moved on from Brett Brown if he didn't get us where we wanted him to, to take us. Maybe we should cut ties with Elton Brand. And do they cut ties with Elton Brand with one of the reasons being he doesn't have as much responsibility as the fans and maybe even you and I, Josh, think he has?
1: Okay, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to round it to this point. I think Elton keeps his job. I don't think he's getting fired.
0: I think under, that. Well, well, let me let me stop you. Yeah. Let me stop you. So that's that's the bottom line right there. Yeah. That, that's the most important, you know, thought that I wanted from you, and I want to ask you what your reasons are because, are, uh, is that under any assumptions, or are you saying? You believe no matter what happens, if and when the Sixers return, no matter how far they get into the playoffs, regardless of the change in format, potentially, Elton Brand is safe no matter what?
1: I think Elton Brand is safe as long as he continues doing the job that he's doing, which is operating within the rules and the structure that Sixers ownership has put in place for him to be general manager.
0: Yeah, but how does he, how many more opportunities is he going to have to, you say, continue operating how he's been? Let's say the, the Sixer season starts back up, I don't know, June 1st, yeah. and they make it to the second round of the playoffs and they go seven games, or heck, I'll even say Eastern Conference Finals and they lose somewhat handily in five or something what type of opportunity is the ownership going to give Elton brand at that point to prove himself? I would imagine they're having these talks right now during this break. This is where the ownership group has to be meeting and going through plan A, B, C, and D, etc.
1: Well, I would say that first of all, y- you can't get rid of brand and keep Brown because then you're going to go to the fourth GM in what a seven year period. I mean, that would just be insane.
0: It is insane, but that's the 76ers. Well, it, let's, let's remember,
1: it was mitigating circumstances, though. Like, Sam Hinkie resigned in the midst of that whole mess, and then Colangelo came in, Burnergate happened with the Twitter accounts, then he's out, and that's how Brand even got the job. It's not like it yeah. was a, hey, you didn't do a good job, we're firing you. It was uh, Sam Hinky saying, I'm not going to work in this, in this environment anymore, and then Colangelo had to leave because... Basically him and his wife are putting out, you know, important information that shouldn't have been out in public.
0: But here's the thing, Josh, and I I agree with you. And there was a lot of weird circumstances that led to where we're at now. And Elton brand being the general manager of the 76ers. But if you're Josh Harris, not Josh Hennig, you have to be asking this question. Has what Elton brand been doing so far, has it been successful? Well,
1: is it that is it not successful, or is he doing what you want him to do? Because remember, the the Harris ownership group also owns the New Jersey Nets, and they specifically fired—I mean, sorry—the New Jersey Devils. They specifically yeah. fired the Devils GM because he wouldn't do what Josh Harris and company wanted him to do. So, is it about Brand doing a good job, or is it about that Brand is doing what Harris and team want him to do?
0: It could be. But listen man, they're billion they're billion dollar they're worth over a billion dollars. They can get another puppet. You know, that's on you're essentially implying, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but I am for a second that Elton brand is being told what to do or maybe they have the same mindset and they're on the same page. Well, but, the way the way it's been described sports, is they, collaboration. There needs basically. to be a scapegoat. That's my point. Go ahead.
1: Right. I think the bigger scapegoat would be Brett because that's the easy scapegoat. I think that's a scapegoat that has, has less of a negative effect potentially on the front office because you don't need more turnover in the front office. You need to show stability for players and for agents and for other organizations. Whereas if you get rid of the head coach, it's, well, Brown was hired two GMs ago We only got to a certain point. Brand now can pick his GM. It can be presented as, you know, there's always been talk that, you know, does Brown really have the ear of the locker room? Do the guys really want to play for him? You know, all that kind of stuff. And Brett's basically been falling on the sword for the organization for, what, six years now? He's been out in front taking all the bullets for this organization when the front office and the people who are supposed to be in charge don't want to talk to the media. So why not him be a scapegoat again?
0: That and I would agree with you if all of this wasn't going on. Like the, the fact that their hands could be tied a little bit, and you can make this prop you can make this same argument for why they would keep Elton Brand, but I'm gonna switch it up on you and say this is this could be, for whatever reason, an effect from the cause of the COVID nineteen pandemic. And maybe they say, Listen, let's get rid of Elton Brand. The Al Horford trade, Horford was his guy. He came in and sold us on the idea of Horford. He's been killing us as a Celtic, blah, blah, blah. Great defender. We feel like, you know, we can bring Horford in here to stop Giannis. You can make an argument that that experiment has failed. You can make an argument that experience that experiment hasn't seen its path all the way through. But what if they say we're going to get rid of brand? We don't like the moves he made. And we're going to give uh, Brett Brown next year the interim GM role.
1: But you already paying, gave him that uh, role.
0: Brett Brown for two roles.
1: But he had that role member a couple summers ago when they went into the draft.
0: He did. That's why I'm saying I could see that happening. I I could see the 76ers saying, listen, we need a scapegoat. We once again fell short. We once again changed the roster in the offseason. We once again made midseason moves. They did not pan out. We have no consistency on the floor. So you're making the argument for consistency off it. Maybe they say, you know what? We need consistency on the floor, and this is one more move we're going to make to the organization, and we feel the next guy is the right guy. Maybe that's Brett Brown for a year or two until they fit, find that next puppet. I could see that happening.
1: I'm The way I'm looking at it is I think that it's more likely that Brown is let go and they find a new head coach because of the fact that – at the end of the day, nobody really wants to blame the people who are actually at fault for the situation the Sixers are in. No one wants to actually blame the players. No one wants to blame Ben Simmons for not actually playing like a well-rounded basketball player. No one wants to blame Embiid for his inconsistencies with his conditioning and his ability to focus on the game. No one wants to blame Tobias Harris for suddenly forgetting how to be a consistent three-point shooter when he left the Clippers to the Sixers. Nobody wants to blame the players on the floor. And since you can't fire the quote-unquote fire the players, you got to fire somebody. And I feel like that person, the, sca- the easiest scapegoat, because of how the fans feel and because of the fact that brand seems to fit the mold of what the front office wants from their, from their general manager, the the ownership wants from the general manager. I think that's why Brett's going to be the guy, because at the end of the day, the people who are really responsible for half the problems in this organization, the players, they can't get rid of them.
0: Well, that's always the bottom line though, Josh, is it not? And I agree with everything you said, but yeah, if the players were playing better, Organizations wouldn't be put in these situations. You know, if so and so develops, if so and so gets better, yes, of course, but that's not how sports work, as you and I both know. So s- there's going to be a change. C- can we agree on that?
1: Oh, there's if going the to be a change. If the not
0: win the finals or get to the NBA finals, absolutely, there's
1: be I agree some- with that.
0: Some sort of change within the organization.
1: Yes, I agree with that
0: 100%. Right. So at that point, you got to say this Who's the guy? And I think I'm going to repeat I'm going to repeat this question again. How does this delay of the season affect that decision because I think it does. You're making all valid points but I don't think that is an easy path as how you're laying it out with what has um you know transpired here with the season on hold.
1: Text board is open at 609-403-0973 609-403 973 Dan from EHT says he says it feels like the Redskins liking Ron Rivera, then firing Bruce Allen and Jay Gruden, dysfunctional owners all over the place. Snyder, Dolan, Jones are all dysfunctional owners. Those teams will never win. I'm a Philly fan. I love how messed up the Knicks are.
0: <laughs> we all love how messed up the Knicks are. But listeners, first of all, we're getting a lot of text messages, so thank you, everyone, for chiming in. I want I want them to answer this question for me, Josh. Mm-hmm. Does the Knicks having interest make you reluctant on Elton Brand? Even if Elton Brand remains the GM, are you saying, oh, boy, this bleep show of an organization has eyes on our guy? Well, here, what the heck does so that tell you?
1: So here's my response to that. Before the Knicks hired – Derek Fisher years ago, they wanted Steve Kerr. Before the Knicks hired Scott Perry and Steve Mills, they wanted they tried to pry Daryl Morey away from the Rockets. So, is it that the Knicks have bad taste, or is it the Knicks always settle for the worst possible option?
0: I mean, both. I think you can give all of the above for any Knicks issues and ineptitude question. They, they do not know how to evaluate talent. They do not know how to treat their people within the organization. They have a guy in Dolan who's, quite frankly, seems to be the dumbest guy in sports. So, yes, I think it's they settle. I think they don't have patience. They don't evaluate front office talent, on-court talent, head coaching talent. They hit the panic button way too fast. And the Sixers seem to be doing similar things just in a little bit different of a format. Doesn't it feel like the Sixers have hit the panic button on us multiple times throughout the past two to four years?
1: Well, not two to four years. The last six years. Anytime anything goes a little... Anything, anytime anything goes a little sideways, it seems like somebody has to hit the panic button. Like, for example, on draft night, the report that one of the owners insisted on trading Mikel Bridges for Zaire Smith. Like, what is that?
0: Yeah, that. I mean, that's another move that you can look at and say was a massive failure. Is it not at this point?
1: Oh, I have to say so, sure. Not that Mikael Bridges is going to be a superstar, but the fact that Zaire Smith has just not panned out, period.
0: So, Zaire Smith has not panned out. We know he had that vicious, rare disease. You probably know and can explain it. I mean, I don't even think anyone cares to get the disease explained, but no. that, that <laughs> set him off. And then, then you draft Matisse Thibel, who's essentially the same guy. And, yes, Matisse panned out. I love Matisse. I've joked and called him uh, Matisse Leonard, Kawhi Thibel. But when you make that decision to draft Matisse, it's, it's the same thing as Zaire Smith. Like, what are you doing? And now you have two guys that are the same, and now you have Zaire rotting in the G League. And that's just one example of a lot of ways this organization has made the wrong decision. All organizations make the wrong decision at times. But the Sixers just seem to always find their way in a jam and can't get out of the brown paper bag.
1: He's Ryan Rossi and I'm Josh Henning. Special edition of the warm-up here on 97.3 ESPN Textboard board 609-403-0973. Mike from the Villa says, It's the coach's responsibility to make sure the team is in the right position to perform. Brown is an awful coach. They have no fire. Please don't have them have Brett Brown be the general manager. He can't even coach the team properly.
0: <laughs> Your thoughts to that, Josh?
1: Well, again, you know, someone's got to be the scapegoat. Again, I, I always have been holding the position now for the last several months that I, I, I've heard – I've been hearing for years about Brett Brown. You've seen it. You've heard it. But at some point, Brett Brown is more the scapegoat than the, really the guy at fault.
0: Uh, I, here's the thing. Yes, you are right. And I've had this, this conversation and I guess you can say debate with Mike all the time. It's not solely on Brett Brown, but number one, to what we've been illustrating, there's always a scapegoat. And number two, the coach is responsible for a lot of things that aren't tangible. Culture, how he has his players prepared. Does he hold them accountable? Is his voice expired? Like Those are things that you cannot tangibly evaluate. And that's the most difficult thing from the fan perspective and even our perspective.
1: 609 403 09 Another uh, anti Brett Brown text from Jeff in Summers Point. Brett can't even control the players, let alone the organization. No way. Keep Brown, get rid of, Br- uh, keep Brand. get rid of Brown.
0: So, what is his basis off Brett Brown can't control the players?
1: I think that these people think, and again, texters, please text back in and let us know. But I think Mike, who texted in, and Jeff, who texted in, and Dan from EHC, who texted in, I think their insinuation is that Brown is supposed to get the players in a position to be successful, and he's not doing a good enough job. He's not coaching them well enough. He's not getting them inspired. He's not motivating them properly, so he needs to go. That's my interpretation of these texts.
0: Here's the thing, and I know we got to go to break soon, but I'm going to pose this question here. Brett Brown was known for what, Josh?
1: He was known he for player development.
0: Player development. Player development. You have two guys in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. How would you evaluate their development in their you know career with the 76ers?
1: I'd I'd say it's a mixed bag. I I say I say <laughs> a some, mixed
0: bag of failure.
1: Well, like for example, you know, you look at a guy like Jeremy Grant. OK, Jeremy Grant well exceeded what he should have been. And that's why they were able to trade him when they did and get something for him. I would say that, for example, Ben Simmons, I think so far has not been what you want to, especially considering the fact that he insisted on stopping working with the Sixers on this shot and insisted on working well with his stepbrother or his half-brother uh, as the guy who follows yeah. him around, helps him with his free throw shooting. Yes, you know, So I would say that Brett Brown, he has not helped as much with Ben Simmons. He did not help as much with a guy like Jaleel Okafor. But he did help the Sixers build the value of guys like Michael Carter Williams and Jeremy Grant to the point where they were tradable assets.
0: Listen, I can name more players. T.J. McConnell, Robert Covington. Brett Brown did an excellent job of developing pizza delivery boys into NBA players. And bench guys into role players but that's not what this league is about you need to figure out a way to develop your young stars and whether it was Brett Brown's fault or not you bring in a guy that is player development as his main strength and you can rattle off a bunch of examples of lesser players and then you're staring your two main guys in the face that have yet to develop that's an issue
1: We'll keep this conversation going on on the other side. Keep a text coming at 609-403-0973, along with Ryan and I'm Josh Hennig. This is a warm-up here on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN mobile app, leading you up to the sports batch with Mike Gill. 28 here on a Thursday. The warm up on 97.3 ESPN. Josh heading along with Ryan Rostein. We'll get up to the sports bash with Mike Gill. Text board is open 609 403 0973. We'll get back to text board in just a moment. But before we get there, Ryan, you know, I think that the question of brand or brown, who is is the better scapegoat? I think we got to add one more element into that back and forth and that is this who do we think is more responsible for the Sixers struggles this season the fact that they're elite at home and they can't win a lick on the road
0: between Brandon Brown who's more responsible for the issues yes ah man I I I think the easier answer is Elton Brand, and I know listeners may be confused or surprised at that after I just detailed um, what I think is some legitimate reasons why to question Brett Brown, but here, here's the biggest branch from the Elton Brand tree, which is Al Horford. And I, I think you have to figure out the answer to, does Al Horford belong in this roster with the role that he's supposed to have? That's the big question.
1: Well, how about I ask you this? Isn't it Brett Brown's job to put the players in position to be successful?
0: Absolutely, 100%. So is Brett Brown
1: doing a good enough job as head coach to keep that job and maintain doing the job he's doing?
0: I mean, you say, what's the coach's number one role? Isn't it to put players in position to succeed? The answer is yes, but how how can you give me examples of Brett Brown doing that?
1: Well, I would ask you that if Brett Brown's job is to put the players in a position to be successful and they're not being successful, then why would you blame Elton Brand for that?
0: Because there is an element of these players just flat out don't fit. You know, sometimes we try and overthink things and you can find the real answer by doing that. But there's also times where you can just look at things and simplify it and say – Maybe Brett could have done a better job with the tools that he was given in his toolbox, but there was a lot of tools in there. He didn't need, and there was a lot of tools in there that weren't supposed to be used to get the job done. And and if the answer is Al Horford does not fit with Embiid Al Horford at this stage in his career, doesn't fit with Ben Simmons and the rest of this roster. Then what can you really expect Brett Brown to do at that point?
1: Well, I would say I expect Brett Brown to find a way around the situation. You know, great coaches take what they have and make the best of the situation. They don't just throw their arms up in the air and say, I don't understand why this isn't working. Like, the whole thing with Brett Brown and Ben Simmons. Well, I
0: agree with you. You could say, what if this is the best that Brett Brown can do with this situation? And I'm not knocking him for it. What if this is a heck of a job that Brett Brown has done? And but I would say I would say most
1: it. fans would disagree with you though how how could you explain to the fans that Brett Brown is doing a great job when the majority of fans all they see is Brett Brown they consider him ruining this team and holding them back
0: I would say look at the roster all right look at the roster look at the analytics I know people are gonna you know ugh, analytics but look at the legitimate. You know statistics that are used to measure successful teams and how strong they are on offense and defense. The Sixers have a guy in Ben Simmons who's a potential defensive player in the year. He's amazing in the open floor. He's great at getting to the paint, at setting up players. He leads the league in assists on three-point shots on a team that can't shoot a lick. All right, So you have a lot of talent. You have Embiid. We all know what he can do. But you look at the pieces around them, and you have a point guard that doesn't shoot. You have a guy in Embiid that needs space in the paint to, to operate and post up and even face up at the elbow and around that area. And then what do they have? Then they have Al Horford, who's chucking up threes as, at a rate that no one should ever do at his position with his skill set. Like, w- you can make an argument, 28-2 and two at home with this roster and how it's compiled, I think you can make an argument that this team maybe is overachieving.
1: Like, well, my, I, I don't well,
0: know. My, I'm my, on record saying my, that's how I feel. Well,
1: my counter to that is, isn't Brett Brown the one who said that he's he wants Ben Simmons to shoot a three a game? And then he admitted later that it's not working out, that he's not doing it. So are we really even sure Brett is even listening, that the players even listening to Brett?
0: So what, you're implying that the, the players just aren't flat out listening to Brett at all?
1: Well, I'm trying to understand your perspective in saying that you're saying that Brett Brown has done a great job with this team. Because despite the circumstances, but yet I would turn around and say, but give me an example of when he is actually putting them in a position to be better than they are. Because at the end of the day, are the players really heeding the things that he's telling them to do?
0: I don't know, because we don't know what he's telling them to do, right? Like, right? like we hear, we hear Brett say he wants them to take threes. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. Like, are they not listening to him? I don't think we can ever measure what he's telling them and how the players are carrying out his message. And that's that's part of the problem in this conversation and when fans or even anyone that's not in that room is trying to analyze any sports team, but especially the NBA. Like, how can we tangibly assess what is Brett Brown's message? What are the players following out? What aren't they following out? And how much is the responsibility on the front office? I mean, that's all these factors that we're trying to work through here so far in the show.
1: Mike from the Villas brings up a point. I want to know your opinion on this, Ryan. He says, I think Brown was good at developing players in Australia, but this is not the Australian league. This is the NBA. We tanked games for years. We got stars and the stars are not performing.
0: I mean, that's exactly what I outlined uh, before we took our first break, right? I I bring up T.J. McConnell. I bring up Robert Covington. You brought up Grant. Those are all great examples of impressive player development, right, from Brett Brown. Sure. But the star factor, listen, I, I understand the responsibility and liability falls on Ben Simmons. I've oftentimes defended Ben Simmons. But you have to look at Brett Brown, fair or foul. And Ben Simmons has not developed. He's gotten better on defense. His IQ has improved. There's a lot of areas where you've seen growth from Ben, but not in the major one. There's one glaring issue, and that's the obvious one. He's not developing his shot at all. Joel Embiid, you can look at his cardio. You can look at his injury history, fair or foul. I know that's a touchy subject. But those are your two crown jewels, as Brett Brown would like to say, and the development has not been there. So I would agree with Mike from the Villas.
1: I I just, I keep looking at the situation, Ryan, and I just don't see how Brown keeps his job moving forward. And not because of any 100% fall of his own, but because of the fact that people want a scapegoat, and he's the easiest scapegoat.
0: So if you're Josh Harris which is what we've outlined to start the show. This is all stemming from the report that the New New York Knicks and Leon Rose have interest in Elton Brand if for whatever reason the 76ers part ways. If you're Josh Harris, listeners and fans out there, if you're Josh Harris, then what is the move? Because I think we can all say with somewhat certainty that this Sixers team is going to fall short on our preseason expectations. This Sixers team right now unless Ben Simmons miraculously gets healthy and this time off was a miracle, right? And they somehow piece things together and they benefit from a shortened playoff format. I mean, there's a lot of ifs here. This Sixers team is headed towards a second round playoff exit. What do you do? Do you just run it back? I don't see that happening.
1: I don't, I don't see everything as is now all in place next year, whether now, whether that's, just Brown being moved on from or that's certain players possibly getting traded. I'm not hundred percent sure what can and can't be done because as we know, if the NBA season ends in let's say September, for example, you know, how long is really the off season? How much time do you really have to turn around till another NBA season? Do they restart the season again in December or in January? So then you have what, two months to do an entire off season? So I don't know how much can really get done in that time frame, and the easiest thing might be just to fire the head coach and then bring in a new coach and then figure out the roster as you go along.
0: I would hate to see, and none of us would know this answer if this is how it plays out, but I would hate to see Brett Brown return, Elton Brand return, and the Sixers' hands become really tied behind their back because of exactly the situation that you just outlined. Like, now they're going to potentially be forced to go into a full season again and pretty much waste it because of everything that's taken place over the past month or so. If they are planning on getting rid of Brett Brown, if they're planning on getting rid of Elton Brand, if they're planning to try and trade a big name in the starting rotation and now they can't do all those things, how does that impact the future?
1: It has a massive impact on the future because of the fact that you're basically stuck in motion at that point. Well, stuck in mud.
0: Yeah. You're not stuck in any motion.
1: Yeah. You're not moving at all. There's no, no. progress. And Dan Dan for me. brought up a text on the text board. He says 50 wins for the next eight to 10 years. I think it's better than a 10 win season. Yeah. But what's the point of winning 50 games a year if you never get to the NBA finals?
0: Do you want to be the Toronto Raptors with DeMar DeRozan?
1: Do you do you want to be any team that all they do is win the division and then never win a championship? There's a whole laundry list of those teams. Remember the Braves? They won one World Series in, what, a 15-year period of winning the division? They never won another World Series. What if you're the Braves and you never win the World Series and you just keep winning the division? What, what, what does that make you?
0: It makes you a good story that's underachieving. <laughs> like, but here's – and that's the tricky part of trying to – find your way through the maze of running an NBA organization. And I brought up the panic button type of decisions that you can point to at various points over the past four to six years, whatever the timeline is. And at some point, you have to stop hitting that panic button. But you also have to know when something isn't right. And that goes back to the Knicks thing. Like, do the Sixers have an inability to assess a situation and figure out when to move on from someone, when to keep someone, who to bring in and who not to bring in. I think that's all becoming valid questions as we start seeing the same results.
1: He's Ryan and I'm Josh Hinnick here on the warm-up on 97.3 ESBM. Before we hit the break, uh, Little Sixers news. Al Horford has donated $500,000 to aid coronavirus pandemic his home country of the Dominican Republic, as well as each U.S. region in which he has played basketball. That includes Michigan, Gainesville, Florida, Atlanta, Boston, and Philadelphia.
0: Can he donate $500,000 to a shooting coach?
1: <laughs> for for, for, him, for himself or for Ben Simmons?
0: All of the above.
1: All of the above. <laughs> All right, we'll keep it going coming up next. 609-403-0973 is his text board. Uh, we have news about where Tom Brady is going to be staying in the Tampa area. And apparently, it's a very large location that reporters are currently camped outside of right now. We'll tell you about that next, coming up, as well as continue our Sixers Conversation and more. Ryan Rossi along with me, Josh Hennick, here on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN mobile app. All right, final segment here. Josh Hennig, Ryan Rostein here on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN mobile app warming you up for the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Let's get one more text in here before we uh, move forward, Ryan. Dan from EHT follows up and says, it's similar to when the Eagles, when Frank Reich left. I think what's really hurting the Sixers is the loss of Monty Williams as a bench coach.
0: <sighs> I, I don't love those those explanations. The, the Frank Reich explanations, the Monty Williams explanations. Just as we give blame and fault, maybe at the incorrect times to Brett Brown and Elton Brand, I, I feel like those are just easy moves to point to and say, they're missing that guy, man. When it's like, why don't we hold the people that are still here accountable instead of, it just sounds like a lame excuse.
1: Uh, it sounds like a lame excuse. Sure. But I do think there is some credibility to when a coach does leave that players have an affinity for certain coaches. They vibe better with certain coaches. They listen to certain coaches more than others. I think there's, there can be pointed to an impact on how the players relate to the coaching staff. If, if, the guy that they connect with the most is not there anymore.
0: Sure, absolutely, and it's a factor. Listen, if you lose a guy who was your assistant and he was an excellent assistant and he becomes a head coach in the NBA, that's a loss, right? Like, I think we can all agree on that, but as you pointed out and detailed, at what point do we blame the players? At what point do you blame the head coach in trying to adjust his coaching staff? Like, that could be a factor, but it can't be anywhere near the top.
1: It can't be near the top, I agree with that, but I don't think we can totally overlook the the possibility of it having a impact, maybe not the impact, but a right. impact you know right. it's like it's like, okay, you know you can't cut down the tree with just one chop, but maybe a multiple chops <laughs> will cut yourself, it down
0: bro.
1: <laughs> Lumberjack Ryan over here,
0: do you even lift, bro? <laughs>
1: Lifts. Don't, I don't lumberjack, though. I'm not, very, I'm not a very good uh, lumberman. Speaking wow. of uh, guys, so Tom Brady, who is a very interesting individual off the field. On the field, he's a winner. He, uh, he's found a temporary home in Tampa, Ryan.
0: That's right. Where what's what's the details with that? I, I was worried about Tom Brady finding shelter. I'm glad we, we have that answer.
1: Well, they're moving into him and Giselle and the family are moving into a thirty thousand foot mansion of former Yankee shortstop Derek Jeter, the Tampa Bay Times have reported now, if you think about this, according to Tampa Times, Jeter's house on Davis Island has seven bedrooms, nine bathrooms, an entertainment room, a billiards room that wraps around a pool with two boat lifts providing access to Tampa's bay, along with a pair, a pair of three car garages. The home has been nicknamed St. Saint Jetersville, St. Saint Jetersburg. Disgusting. Disgusting. It's so big that then Rays manager back in 2011 joked that if Jeter sold the property, the Rays could build a stadium there.
0: All right, so I have some questions here. Number one, is this a sublease situation? Is is Brady paying rent? Is he living there for free? Did he buy it outright? Like, what is the landlord-to-tenant situation?
1: I assume that Brady is giving Jeter some sort of payment because— Apparently, Jeter's name is still on the property.
0: So he's he's renting Jeter's house. Basically. Man, could you imagine a, a scenario where Tom Brady is late on his rent and Derek Jeter is, like, knocking on the door? Like, yo, Tom, where's my money, man? Where's my money?
1: <laughs> now, the article I have in front of me says that there's a connection between Brady and Jeter. Because Brady played at the University of Michigan when Jeter was taking classes there.
0: Brady played at Michigan when Jeter was taking classes?
1: Yes. So Jeter apparently was taking some college courses, even though he was playing in the major leagues. And apparently Jeter was taking classes. And previously he signed a letter of intent to play there, but went pro instead, but still went back and... Took some classes.
0: Interesting. So they've had a friendship uh, dating back to, you know, pre-Brady Super Bowl rings.
1: Yeah, Michigan Wolverines for life, you know?
0: Yeah, true that, man. True that.
1: (laughs) Although I I do find it interesting that he's basically taking somebody else's property and basically renting it. It almost is like his way of saying, look, I'm here for a good time, but not a long time.
0: Exactly. He's not buying a property.
1: He's not investing in anything. You know, apparently he still has his home out in L.A., him and Giselle. So he's looking for a property in the area to uh, hold over for the next two years.
0: I wonder what type of parties Tom Brady will throw at Jetersville.
1: Well, does he throw parties, though?
0: Right. Now You know, is there a security deposit involved?
1: Now, according to Jenna Lane, she's been parked outside of the, the this massive estate, this 30,000 feet estate, okay? And apparently, she hasn't seen Brady or Giselle yet, but she has seen unmarked police cars canvassing the area, moving trucks, along with someone fixing the security gate.
0: <laughs> that's a great that's a great report. <laughs> the, the lawn was mowed at 12.02 p.m. Eastern, uh, followed by new shutters being installed. Like, what are we doing here with this? That <laughs> It's amazing. I mean, Brady could have his own police department.
1: Maybe he does.
0: I'm sure he does, dude. I mean, what a tough life that man lives.
1: I mean, maybe he has a whole undercover contingent of dudes who just, like, make sure that him and Giselle are sheltered away from, like, the paparazzi.
0: Yeah, maybe he has, like, a Guardians of the (laughs) Galaxy-like team, but it's Guardians (laughs) of Tom Brady.
1: So that would be GOTB.
0: Sure. Yeah, that works.
1: (laughs) Just put GOTB on the side of the car, right?
0: No, man, they're not gonna reveal their identity. I mean they're they're guarding him from a distance, obviously.
1: Now, what what do you think is the preferred unmarked car? Like are you going with like the classic police car? Are you going with like maybe another car that's like blacked out?
0: Dude, everyone the unmarked cop cars, who cannot spot out an unmarked cop car? Uh, am I right? Like it's the black What is it like the um, is it a Ford? You know what? It's the black four door. They use Dodge Chargers now all blacked out. It's like I can spot an unmarked police car from a mile away. If I want an unmarked police car, I'm getting like a soccer mom minivan. (laughs) That's what I'm going with. Now, you're not going to be able to catch anyone.
1: (laughs) Well, I I think you need to be able to catch someone. So maybe you get something a little bit more nimble. You know, and maybe it's not the chargers, like you said. The police are starting to use the chargers now, but hey, you know, maybe you go with a, uh, you know, maybe you go with like a bunch of under, like you know, unmarked Acuras.
0: That could work. I mean, hey, we should just ask Elton Brand and Brett Brown and do the opposite of whatever answer they give. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey guys, what do you think of this? We, you should do this. Okay, I'll do the opposite. Thanks for the input.
0: Exactly. So that I mean. Unmarked cop cars, I'm sure Brady has about 10 of them, you know, surveilling his uh, property. And I'm sure Giselle is uh, shelling out the cash needed because she makes about twice as much as Tom. What well,
1: she, She's worth twice as much as he is. It's ridiculous how much more she is worth than the guy who's won six Super Bowls. But yet the, the most famous Victoria's Secret model is worth double.
0: Unbelievable. That's, now, the, that's I, the
1: world we live in, Ryan.
0: It is the world. Now, I've been getting these text messages. I know we only have a minute or two left. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there. But I've been getting these text messages from friends where it lists every single NFL team. And you have to write your favorite player of all time from every single NFL team. I'm getting so many of these text messages. It's becoming annoying at this point. All right, Are well, you how getting about, any of these? I have
1: not gotten any of these. I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: Oh, wow, that's that's a little bit awkward. I'm sorry. You don't have any friends. Oh, so, you
1: know, it's, part, it's part of being me. Oh, I by know, the I, way, according to Rapport, this just came down. Tom okay. Brady's new backup was just signed by the Bucks to a one-year deal. And? Former first-round pick Blaine Gabbert out of Missouri.
0: Wow. Blaine Gabbert. One-year deal, how much?
1: I uh, no, I don't see anything about the money but Rathport just said it's a 1 year deal.
0: That's an interesting signing. I mean, they're kind of w- with that move, they're saying Tom's not going to get hurt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or hopefully he doesn't get hurt.
0: Right, fingers crossed.
1: Yeah, hope for the best. Prepare for Gabber in case of emergency.
0: Yeah, that would be a pandemic in itself.
1: <laughs> Listen, we'll 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 get back to your list of uh that you're, all of your friends are sending you, and me having no friends, I, I don't get sent. So we'll get back to that coming up tomorrow. But hey, listen, people keep texting in because the sports badge with Mike Gill is coming up next. Wade Phillips is joining him coming up at 3 15. Michael Caskey Main at 5 o'clock. And Atlantic City Mayor Marty Small Ryan coming on at 4 30.
0: Ooh, nice.
1: Ryan, what's your Twitter?
0: Oh Ryan, nine seven three ESPN. Hit the follow button, peeps. Come on.
1: I'm at Josh Henning, H-E-double-N-I-G. We'll catch you tomorrow.